0: THE CRYSTAL SHARD BOOK THREE Krishal TIRITH What does Wolfgar see when he looks out over the tundra, when his crystal blue eyes stare across the dark plain to the points of light that mark the fires of his people's encampment? Does he view the past, perhaps with a longing to return to that place and those ways? Does he view the present, comparing that which he has learned with me and Bruner? with those harsh lessons of life among his nomadic tribesmen. Or does Wolfgar see the future, the potential for change, for bringing new and better ways to his people? A bit of all three, I would guess. That is the turmoil within Wolfgar, I suspect. The simmering fire behind those blue eyes. He fights with such passion. Some of that comes from his upbringing among the fierce tribesmen, the war games of the barbarian boys, often bloody, sometimes even fatal. Part of that passion for battle stems from Wolfgar's inner turmoil, the frustration he must feel when he contrasts his life at my hands and at Brunner's hands with those gained in his years among his own people. Wolfgar's people invaded ten towns, entered with merciless rage, ready to slaughter anyone who stood in their path without regard. How does Wolfgar reconcile that truth with the fact that Brunner Battlehammer did not let him die in the field, that the dwarf saved him, though he tried to kill Brunner in battle, though the foolish young lad made a mistake of swatting Brunner in the head. How does Wolfgar reconcile the love Brunner has shown him against his previous notions of dwarves as hateful, merciless enemies? For that is how the barbarians of Icewindale surely view dwarves, a lie that they perpetrate among themselves so they may justify their murderous raiding ways. is not so different than the lies that the drow tell themselves to justify their hatred of anyone who is not drow. But now, Wolfgar has been faced with the truth of Brunner and the dwarves. Irrevocably, he must weigh that personal revelation against the truth he spent his years of childhood learning. He must come to accept that what his parents and all the elders of the tribe had told him were lies." I know from personal experience that this is no easy thing to reconcile, for to do so is to admit that a great part of your own life was no more than a lie, that a great part of that which makes you who you are is wrong. I recognized the ills of Mensah early on, because its teachings went against logic and went against that which was in my heart. Yet even though these wrongs were painfully obvious— Those first steps that carried me out of my homeland were not easy ones. The errors of the barbarians of Icewind Dale pale compared to those of the Drow, and so the steps that Wolfgar must take emotionally away from his people will be even more difficult, I fear. There is far more truth in the ways of the barbarians, more justification for their actions, warlike though they may be, yet it falls upon Wolfgar's strong but painfully young, shoulders to differentiate between the ways of his people and those of his new friends, to accept compassion and acceptance above the solid walls of prejudice that have so encapsulated his entire youth. I do not envy him the task before him, the confusion, the frustration. It is good that he fights every day. I only pray that in a blind fit while playing out that frustration, my sparring companion does not tear the head from my shoulders." Drizzt Duarden. Chapter 21 The Icy Tomb At the base of the great glacier, hidden off in a small dell where one of the ice spurs wound through broken rifts and boulders, was a place the barbarians called Evermelt. A hot spring fed a small pool, the warmed waters waging a relentless battle against ice flows and freezing temperatures. Tribesmen stranded inland by early snows, who could not find their way to the sea with a reindeer herd, often sought refuge at Evermelt, for even in the coldest months of winter unfrozen sustaining water could be found here, and the warming vapors of the pool made the temperatures of the immediate area bearable, if not comfortable. Yet the warmth and drinking water were only part of Evermelt's worth. Beneath the opaque surface of the misty water lay a hoard of gems and jewels gold, and silver that rivaled the treasure of any king in this entire region of the world. Every barbarian had heard of the legend of the white dragon, but most considered it to be just a fanciful tale recounted by self-important old men for the amusement of children, for the dragon hadn't emerged from his hidden lair in many, many years. Wolfgar knew better, though. In his youth, his father had accidentally stumbled upon the entrance of the secret cave, when Bjornigar later learned the legend of the dragon, he understood the potential value of his discovery and had spent years collecting all the information he could find concerning dragons, especially white dragons, and Ingaloka Castabazilian in particular. Bjornagar had been killed in battle between tribes before he could make his attempt at the treasure, but living in a land where death was a common visitor... He had foreseen that grim possibility and had imparted his knowledge to his son. The secret did not die with him. Wolfgar felled a deer with a throw of Aegis Fang and carried the beast the last few miles to Evermelt. He had been to this place twice before, but when he came upon it now, as always, its strange beauty stole his breath. The air above the pool was veiled in steam, and chunks of floating ice drifted through the misty waters like meandering ghost ships. The huge boulders surrounding the area were especially colorful, with varying hues of red and orange, and they were encapsulated in a thin layer of ice that caught the fire of the sun and reflected brilliant bursts of sparkling colors in startling contrast to the dull gray of the misted glacier ice. This was a silent place, sheltered from the mournful cry of the wind by walls of ice and rock, free of any distractions. After his father was killed, Wolfgar had vowed, in tribute to the man, to make this journey and fulfill his father's dream. Now he approached the pool reverently, and though other matters pressed in on him, he paused for reflection. Warriors of every tribe on the tundra had come to ever melt with the same hopes as he. None had ever returned. The young barbarian resolved to change that. He firmed his proud jaw and set to work skinning the deer— The first barrier that he had to overcome was the pool itself. Beneath its surface, the waters were deceptively warm and comfortable, but anyone who emerged from the pool in the air would be frozen dead in minutes. Wolfgar peeled away the hide of the animal and began scraping away the underlying layer of fat. He melted this over a small fire until it attained the consistency of thick paint, then smeared it over every inch of his body. Taking a deep breath to steady himself and focus his thoughts on the task at hand, he took hold of Aegis Fang and waded into Evermelt. Under the deadening veil of mist, the waters appeared serene, but as soon as he moved away from the edges of the pool, Wolfgar could feel the strong swirling currents of the hot stream. Using a jutting rock overhang as a guidepost, he approximated the exact center of the pool. Once there, he took a final breath and, confident of his father's instructions, opened himself up to the currents, and let himself sink into the water. He descended for a moment, then was suddenly swept away by the main flow of the stream toward the north end of the pool. Even beneath the mist the water was cloudy, forcing Wolfgar to trust blindly that he would break free of the water before his breath ran out. He was within a few feet of the ice wall at the pool's edge before he could see the danger. He braced himself for the collision, but the current suddenly swirled, sending him deeper. The dimness darkened to blackness as he entered a hidden opening under the ice, barely wide enough for him to slip through, though the unceasing flow of the stream gave him no choice. His lungs cried for air. He bit down on his lip to keep his mouth from bursting open and robbing him of the last few wisps of precious oxygen. Then he broke into a wider tunnel, where the water flattened out and dropped below the level of his head. He hungrily gasped in air, and he was still sliding along helplessly in a rushing water one danger was past. The slide twisted and turned, and the roar of a waterfall clearly sounded up ahead. Wolfgar tried to slow his ride, but couldn't find a handhold or any kind of brace, for the floor and walls were icy smooth under the centuries of flowing stream. The barbarian tossed wildly, Aegis Fang flying from his hands as he futilely tried to drive them into solid ice. Then he came into a wide and deep cavern and saw the drop before him. A few feet beyond the crest of the fall were several huge icicles that stretched from the dome ceiling down below Wolfgar's line of sight. He saw his only chance. When he approached the lip of the drop, he sprang outward, wrapping his arms around an icicle. He dropped quickly as it tapered, but saw that it widened again as it neared the floor, as though a second icicle had grown up from the floor to meet this one. Safe for a moment, he gazed around the strange cavern in awe the waterfall captured his imagination. Steam rose from the chasm, adding surrealistic flavor to this spectacle. The stream poured over the drop, most of it continuing on its way through a small chasm, barely a crack in the floor 30 feet below at the base of the fall. The droplets that cleared the chasm, though, solidified as they separated from the main flow of the stream and bounced away in all directions as they hit the cavern's icy floor. Not yet completely hardened, the cubes struck fast where they landed, and all about the base of the waterfall were strangely sculpted piles of broken ice. Aegis Fang flew over the drop, easily clearing the small chasm to smash into one such sculpture, scattering shards of ice. Though his arms were numbed by the icicle slide, Wolfgar quickly rushed over to the hammer, already freezing fast where it had landed, and heaved it free of the ice's hardening grip. Under the glassy floor where the hammer had cracked away the top layers, the barbarian noticed a dark shadow. He examined it more closely, then backed away from a grisly sight. Perfectly preserved, one of his predecessors had apparently gone over the long drop, dying in the deepening ice where he had landed. How many others, Wolfgar wondered, had met the same fate? He didn't have time to contemplate it further. One of his other concerns had been dispelled, for much of the cavern's roof was only a few feet below the daylight surface, and the sun found its way in through those parts that were purely ice. Even the smallest glow coming from the ceiling was reflected a thousand times on the glassy floors and walls, and the whole cabin virtually exploded in sparkling bursts of light. Wolfgar felt the cold acutely, but the melted blubber had protected him sufficiently. He would survive the first dangers of this adventure. But the specter of the dragon loomed somewhere up ahead. Several twisting tunnels led off of the main chamber, carved by the stream in long past days when its waters ran high. Only one of these was large enough for a dragon, though. Wolfgar contemplated searching out the others first to see if he might possibly find a less obvious way into the lair, but the glare and distortions of light and the countless icicles hanging from the ceiling like a predator's teeth dizzied him, and he knew that if he got lost or wasted too much time, the night would fall over him, stealing his light and dropping the temperature below even his considerable tolerance." so he banged Aegis' fang on the floor to clear away any remaining ice that clung to it and started straight along down the tunnel he believed would lead him to the lair of Ingaloka Kastamazillion. The dragon slept soundly beside its treasure in the largest chamber of the ice caves, confident after many years of solitude that it would not be disturbed. Ingaloka Kastamazillion, more comfortably known as Icing Death, had made the same mistake that many of its kin— with their lairs in similar caves of ice, had made. The flowing stream that offered entrance to and escape from the caves had diminished over the years, leaving the dragon trapped in the crystalline tomb. Icing Death had enjoyed its years of hunting deer and humans. In the short time the beast had been active, it had earned quite a respectable reputation for havoc and terror. Yet dragons, especially white ones who are rarely active in their cold environments, can live many centuries without meat their selfish love of their treasure can sustain them indefinitely. And Icing Death's hoard, though small compared to the vast mounds of gold collected by the huge red and blues that lived in more populated areas, was the largest of any of the tundra-dwelling dragons. If the dragon had truly desired freedom, it could probably have broken through the cavern's ice ceiling. But Icing Death considered the risk too great, and so it slept counting its coins and gems in dreams that dragons considered quite pleasant. The slumbering worm didn't fully realize, though, just how careless it had become. In its unbroken snooze, icing death hadn't moved in decades. A cold blanket of ice had crept over the long form, gradually thickening until the only clear spot was a hole in front of the great nostrils, where the rhythmic blasts of exhaled snores had kept the frost away. And so Wolfgar, cautiously stalking the source of the resounding snores, came upon the beast. Viewing icing death's splendor enhanced by the crystalline ice blanket, Wolfgar looked upon the dragon with profound awe. Piles of gems and gold lay all about the cavern under similar blankets, but Wolfgar could not pull his eyes away. Never had he viewed such magnificence, such strength. Confident that the beast was helplessly pinned, He dropped the hammer's head down by his side. "'Greetings, Inglokokastomazillion,' he called, respectfully using the beast's full name. The pale blue orbs snapped open, their seething flames immediately apparent under their icy veil. Wolfgar stopped short at their perfect glare. After the initial shock, he regained his confidence. "'Fear not, mighty worm,' he said boldly. I am a warrior of honor and shall not kill you under these unfair circumstances. He smiled wryly. My lust will be appeased by simply taking your treasure. But the barbarian had made a critical mistake. A more experienced fighter, even a knight of honor, would have looked beyond his chivalrous code, accepted his good fortune as the blessing, and slain the worm as it slept. Few adventurers, even whole parties of adventurers, had ever given an evil dragon of any color an even break and live to boast about it. Even icing death, in the initial shock of its predicament, had thought itself helpless when it had first awakened to face the barbarian. The great muscles, atrophied from inactivity, could not resist the weight and grip of the ice prison. But when Wolfgar mentioned the treasure... A new surge of energy blew away the dragon's lethargy. Icing death found strength in anger, and with an explosion of power beyond anything the barbarian had ever imagined, the dragon snapped its cord-like muscles, sending great chunks of ice flying away. The entire cavern complex trembled violently, and Wolfgar, standing on the slippery floor, was thrown down on his back. He rolled aside at the very last moment to dodge the spear-like tip of a falling icicle dislodged by the tremor. Wolfgar regained his feet quickly, but when he turned, he found himself facing a horned white head leveled to meet his eyes. The dragon's great wings flexed outward, shaking off the last remnants of its blanket, and the blue eyes bore into Wolfgar. The barbarian desperately looked around for an escape. He pondered throwing Aegis Fang, but knew he couldn't possibly kill the monster with a single strike, and, inevitably, the killing breath would come. Icing Death considered its foe for a moment. If it breathed, it would have to settle for frozen flesh. It was a dragon, after all, a terrible worm, and it believed, probably rightly so, that no single human could ever defeat it. This huge man, however, and particularly this magical hammer, for the dragon could sense its might, disturbed the worm. Caution had kept Icing Death alive through many centuries. It would not close to melee with this man. The cold air gathered in its lungs. Wolfgar heard the intake of air and reflexively dove to the side. He couldn't fully escape the blast that followed. A frosting cone of unspeakable cold, but his agility combined with the deer blubber kept him alive. He landed behind a block of ice, his legs actually burned by the cold and his lungs aching. He needed a moment to recover, but he saw the white head lifting slowly into the air, taking away the angle of a meager barrier. The barbarian could not survive a second breath. Suddenly, a globe of darkness engulfed the dragon's head, and a black shafted arrow and then another whirred by the barbarian and thudded unseen behind the blackness. "'Attack, boy! Now!' cried Drizduarden from the entrance to the chamber. The disciplined barbarian instinctively obeyed his teacher. Grimacing through the pain, he moved around the ice block and closed in on the thrashing worm." Icing Death swung its great head to and fro, trying to shake free of the Dark Elf's spell. Hate consumed the beast as yet another stinging arrow found its mark. The dragon's only desire was to kill. Even blinded, its sense was superior. It marked out the drow's direction easily and breathed again. But Drizzt was well-versed in dragon lore. He had gauged his distance from Icing Death perfectly, and the strength of the deadly frost fell short. The barbarian charged in on the distracted dragon's side and slammed Aegis Fang with all of his great might against the white scales. The dragon winced in agony. The scales held under the blow, but the dragon had never felt such strength from a human and didn't care to test its height against a second strike. It turned to release a third blast of breath on the exposed barbarian, but yet another arrow cracked home. Wolfgar saw a great gob of dragon blood splatter on the floor beside him, and he watched the globe of darkness lurch away. The dragon roared in anger, Aegis Fang struck again, and a third time. One of the scales cracked and flaked away, and the sight of exposed flesh renewed Wolfgar's hopes of victory. Icing Death had lived through many battles, though, and was far from finished. The dragon knew how vulnerable it was to the powerful hammer and kept its concentration focused enough to retaliate. The long tail circled over the scaly back and cracked into Wolfgar just as the barbarian had begun another swing. Instead of the satisfaction of feeling age's fang crushing through dragon flesh, Wolfgar found himself slammed against a frozen mound of gold coins twenty feet away. The cavern spun all about him. His watering eyes heightened the starred reflections of light and his consciousness slipping away. But he saw Drizd, scimitars drawn, advancing boldly toward icing death. He saw the dragon poised to breathe again. He saw, with crystalline clarity, the immense icicle hanging from the ceiling above the dragon. Drizd walked forward. He had no strategy against such a formidable foe. He hoped that he would spot some weakness before the dragon killed him. He thought that Wolfgar was out of the battle, and probably dead, after the mighty slash of the tail, and was surprised when he saw sudden movement off to the side. Icing Death sensed the barbarian's move as well, and sent its long tail to squelch any further threat to its flank. But Wolfgar had already played his hand. With the last burst of strength he could muster, he snapped up from the mound and launched Aegis Fang high into the air. The dragon's tail struck home and Wolfgar didn't know if its desperate attempt was successful. He thought that he saw a lighter spot appear on the ceiling before he'd thrown into the blackness. Drizzt bore witness to their victory. Mesmerized, the drow watched the silent descent of the huge icicle. Icing death, blinded to the danger by the globe of darkness and thinking that the hammer had flown wildly waved its wings. The clawed forelegs had just begun to lift up when the ice spear smashed into the dragon's back, driving it back down to the floor. With the ball of darkness planted on its head, Drizzt couldn't see the dragon's dying expression, but he heard the killing crack as the whip-like neck, launched by the sudden reversal of momentum, rolled upward and snapped.